With the rise of mental health issues and with the COVID pandemic forcing less and less interactions amongst coworkers and leaders, senior leaders in many organizations are suffering numerous new ailments and challenges. With this workplace scenario continuing to be a problem, as times progress with more and more complications arising, many leaders are reaching breaking points in their personal lives. With no one to reach out to, many of these leaders may be suffering from what Nick Johnson, the co-founder and managing director of Executives Global Network in Singapore, calls executive loneliness, that arises when top executives are exposed to extreme and prolonged stress, resulting in an increase in anxiety, isolation, and depression. We just uncovered on episode 188, Putting Your Mental and Physical Health First, the shocking statistics that one quarter of Americans intend to improve their mental health in 2022, and that according to a poll conducted by the American Psychiatric Association, Almost 70 million adults resolved to find ways to improve their mental health this coming year. But Nick Johnson from Singapore shows us that this is a global issue, and he wants to raise awareness of this phenomenon, no longer being quiet about the issues that he has personally faced himself. For those new or returning guests, welcome back. I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator from Toronto, Canada, now in Arizona, and like many of you listening, have been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind high-performance strategies that we can use to improve our productivity in our schools, our sports, and workplace environments. My vision is to bring the experts to you, share their books, resources, and ideas to help you to implement their proven strategies, whether you're a teacher working in the classroom or in the corporate environment. In his book, Executive Loneliness, Nick Johnson outlines that most executives and leaders often do nothing to address this phenomenon of loneliness for fear of appearing unsuccessful and frowned upon. Worst, he shares that not addressing it exasperates the negative and difficult feelings to the point where it becomes more and more difficult for them to function. Ultimately, it takes a toll on their whole life. As we were looking for leaders around the world to launch our year with a focus on physical and mental health, Nick Johnson was the one I wanted to launch with to be our first interview of 2022. If you follow Nick on social media, and I'll put all the links in the show notes to follow him, you'll notice that he puts his physical health first, which we have shown on this podcast to be one of the top health staples to make an impact on your overall physical and mental health. You'll see him riding his bike, hiking, and training at his local pool. Let's meet Nick Johnson and see what we can learn together with his experience and knowledge to put our mental and physical health first this year. Welcome, Nick, all the way from Singapore, where it's 9 a.m. tomorrow, my time, and it's Thursday night over here in Arizona, USA. This is wild doing a podcast like this, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the beauty of these days, isn't it, Andrea, how we can connect uh, when we're so far apart? 
It's amazing. Nick, I like to open the podcast with a question where we can get to know you a bit better. And just from looking over your social media posts over the holidays, it was a bit like a geography lesson with health and wellness and family tied in. Can you share a bit about what you've been up to over the holidays that took you to four countries with your family and how you kept health at the forefront the entire time? Well, Andrea, it was a bit of catch up to do uh, as we were facing this pandemic and uh, we've been running a business in Singapore where it's been quite strict with the borders uh, and, and quarantine and so on. So it was really a relief to go out and travel properly again. And, and but what I did for this trip, I was thinking first about, you know, the purpose of the trip and so on. And I divided it in three different camps. And one was that I needed this trip for myself. And secondly, I needed it for my wife to have husband and wife time and then my son lives in Sweden with my ex-wife so it was very important for him and also over there I have uh, my family my parents and so on so I was really trying to look at the needs of these uh, three different camps oh and it came through because I saw you at the cinema with Percy in Sweden and then there were all these wonderful pictures of you with your wife and then did did you go swimming in in the ocean? Was there an ocean swim? So oh. basically, my, my first step of the trip was for myself. I mean, if we want to be there for our colleagues, our friends, our family, we need to look our, after ourselves first. And so, what I did first was go to Thailand to Phuket, where they had this amazing triathlon. It's like a Ironman boot camp where you can check in at any time of the year. And I spent uh, uh, 16 days there training with them, uh, learning all about nutrition, trainings and so on. I was still working and so on remotely in between, but I had one training session in the morning, one in the afternoon. And then in addition to that, I also did some uh, support work in the mental health scene there. I was supporting a rehab, for example, as a guest speaker and, uh, and sharing my, my story and my basically uh, journey with them. It's a very powerful story and I know we're going to get into it, but it's always nice to kind of see the behind the scenes and and I just loved watching everything you're doing it was uh, encompassing health mental and physical the whole time, which was uh, really nice to see. Thank you, Andrea. And I believe you know that we need to maintain this. It's a, it's a daily affair. We need to look after ourselves, our health and our relationships and the people around us daily. So that's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I told you just before we kind of started recording here how important it was for me to launch 2022 with a focus on mental and physical health for season seven. And I know that you get this question all the time. It's probably the one that everybody asks you. So I did put a link in the show notes so people can listen to some of your other podcasts. But can you give a bit of your background with the two stories that coincided to bring you to not be quiet around a topic that many people shy away from? Well, it's all about that we are silent for too long. In my case and in so many cases, and I call it, in my book, Smiling Depression, that, you know, we're putting on this facade the whole time as a business executive, but perhaps also to our family that we don't want to disclose what's going on. We don't want to disclose the challenges we have inside us because we fear that perhaps we, we come across weak or many times we feel we don't want to be a burden to other people. And we believe many times that we have all the answers. So that was my challenge as I 
went through my career, but also my personal life where I didn't have a support group either. So I didn't share how I felt uh, uh, deep inside with someone. Of course, I had uh, basically a lot of social relationships, perhaps more than the most, where I was always, always out at networking events. I was, you know, the captain and the president of the golf team, whatever I would throw myself into, I would be in leadership positions. I would be around so many people. But I didn't have those deep, meaningful, honest relationships that I, were, that I shared how I felt inside. It's interesting because of I, as I've been doing the podcast, one of the early speakers I had was Permission to Feel with Mark Brackett, where he talks about the fact that, you know, we never talked about our emotions and a lot of us now need a permission to uh, express our feelings because we just this isn't how many of us were raised um, to be vulnerable right and say you know i need help and you know we just don't know how to start these questions is that what you're finding was you're working it with executives yes and, and that's how i was raised i didn't have those conversations at home there was no one asking me really how i felt they were caring and loving for me but there's no one asking how i felt I also didn't have those conversations, for example, in, in my school years and so on. So, so, so that's, that's really uh, how I grew up. And I believe many of uh, many executives in, in my age, I'm approaching 50, uh, or uh, I'm also with a lot of senior executives uh, older than me. And I see that they are quite similar in this regard. Uh, perhaps we, they were so focused, our parents, on you know, uh, moving forward, working, trying to generate wealth. Mm -hmm. and uh, and so on that they just didn't have the the toolbox to help us with this so yeah. they are not to blame uh, but uh, that we just find ourselves in this perhaps a gap uh, a gap generation where we, these are topics that we didn't discuss mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you put it right out there on the front of your book with executive loneliness that's that's really what we're talking about and i wonder if we can tie this concept executive loneliness that leads to anxiety, isolation, depression, as something also our first responders might be going through, or even our teachers in the classroom. You know, right now there's such an overwhelming uh, pressure on everybody. And I heard it described recently from someone working in policing who broke down, he had to leave the field to go to a desk job. And now he's actually on track for early retirement. He just broke down because that pressure builds up over time. So can you explain the pressure that you see in the corporate world, all the meetings, you gotta be the first one in the office, the last one to leave, you gotta keep it all together. Where does this all begin and how do we know that change needs to occur? Well, there's so much pressures in the executive world these days because there's so many changes, the technological revolution, and everyone is talking about being agile, being able to adapt quickly, handle pressure. There's all these terms of being resilient, be strong, you know, you should cope with this change. And there's always mergers, acquisitions. We're talking about gig economy. You know, people are merging and before you know it even if you've done a great job or perhaps because you have done a great job your your company was acquired and you are let go so we have this uncertainty the whole time and i believe that that is what's fueling people to be and rightly so anxious and insecure because gone are the days when you worked 30 40 years and you got a gold watch and everything was secure and 
I mean, this safety and security is a basic human need, and we don't have that these days. So how do we have it? Well, I better be first in the office, as you say, Andrea. I better be the last to leave. I better put in all hard work. I'm not going to say no to my boss when they ask me to do this. I will raise my hand and volunteer to always be there. And I will do all the courses on the side. I will do the trainings. I will study on the weekends. And I will do everything to do, be as good as I can in my job because perhaps I'm worried that otherwise I will be let go. But also, you want to set yourself up for your next assignment. So what do you do? You're also going to join associations. You're going to be on speakers panel. You're going to have all that pressure to have this beautiful LinkedIn profile. And again, this is what I refer to as the smiling depression. And you're working yourself yeah, to the hospital bed. And I see executives ending up, sadly, there's one of my good friends now in hospital. And I've seen so many over the last years ending up there uh, by anxiety attack, panic attacks, stress, burnout, and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The pandemic really opened our eyes to this when I think in where I live, where everybody that was grounded from travel and everybody had to halt. And it was like, oh, we actually have time to do things now. Now, how do I do this? Because before they were spending all this time at airports and getting places, and then everything just kind of condensed. And now there's a bit more time. That's when I saw a lot of people in the corporate world starting exercise programs. Is that, would you say the pandemic kind of was, was an eye-opener for a lot of people? I see I, I see two sides of this. I see the people who are taking it as an opportunity to look after themselves, uh, to exercise more, to see, well, I don't have to commute now. I don't have to travel. So I will block time for myself. I will protect this in my calendar. This is my gym time. I will be there. And this is and that's what I see. But again, I also see others who are the other way around where they have opened up their calendar and the team find out, well, the, uh, they are not commuting for 45 minutes now in the morning to the office. So I will use this time and fill this in the calendar. They have a meeting instead. And uh, uh, we, we keep hearing this, Andrea, and many companies, you know, now even have to uh, put parameters around the com making company policies that, for example, on Fridays, we don't have any Zoom meetings uh, not allowed. And others have said, well, on Monday, we close down the laptops at 6 p.m. because otherwise, with the time zones for the big international companies, people will be working, you know, 20 hours a day. So I would say I think it's very divided and people are definitely in two camps. And we want to make sure that we are in the camp of the, of the people who uh, do exercise and protect our calendar and have a healthy dialogue, perhaps with our supervisor, our team and, mm -hmm. and our HR about this. Yeah, it's interesting because there was a time when I left the corporate world to work from home and I worked a few years for a corporation from the home and was able to block time in. But it was different when you are in an office and then you're saying, oh, I've got to go to the gym. They all look at you like, what? It's the middle of the day. You're not going to go. But we did it as a team. We made we had to talk to our manager and block that time. So it's definitely different working in an office from home. But I never thought about like blasting up your calendar with more meetings because you're not commuting. That's that's really scary. 
Yes, and uh, it's more common than what you think. And again, linked to what I mentioned before, that anxiety that I better be, you know, one of the top performers because if if there's uh, redu reductions in the workforce, I don't want to be one of the people who leave and if and I need to set myself up for another assignment. So instead of gym, perhaps people. Uh, used uh, too too much perhaps in trainings and courses and so on because they want to have an edge. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. and it's interesting talking to you internationally because you know here in the U.S. it's like it, there's no line of demarcation of when work is over, and it was like that when I was a teacher. It was like who gets there early and stays there the longest. There was a time when I thought, is there a time we're allowed to leave? I thought we just had to stay. And then it was kind of like that in the corporate world. And then I've got good friends in the UK that say it's illegal to work on the weekend. What are you doing? And they're making fun of me when I say, oh, I'll just do that on Saturday. And they're like, you can't do that. You have to give yourself a break. So um, is that what it's like uh, where you are right now? And do you see this as more of a trend of giving people breaks Saturday, Sunday, at least? I don't see that in in Asia or Southeast Asia. I see that in Europe. Uh, I'm from Sweden myself, and the company I'm working with, EGN, has the head office in Denmark, and I see that very much so being the sort of the culture and the trends in Europe to protect, the, especially the weekends. In in uh, in Singapore, no people can work around the clock, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, so uh, yeah, definitely it's an issue here. And you need to have that conversation with yourself and your team and, and really put some parameters around yourself. But people are not so good with time management, I would say, here in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's so interesting to talk to you and, and get a different perspective. So I love how you've clearly outlined what you think are the important five steps to recovery in your book. So we've got someone that's overwhelmed um and you walk the reader through all the steps with some very important things to consider in the early stages since no one usually talks about these things and i think it's important that we do talk about the things that make us uncomfortable for change to occur and you mentioned a bit before with smiling depression or what to look for can you give us an idea of what are some things that where do we actually begin when someone feels this overwhelm of too many meetings what's the starting point I mean, the starting point is to take a break, take a short break and, and learn to do that in ways, perhaps going for a small walk, going to the coffee machine or, uh, or you know, meditate to take that five, 10 minute uh, pauses, take those breaks. Uh, it's about blocking out, taking a lunch break, even if you work from home, uh, just to make sure that you have those shorter breaks in control and then longer breaks. Take your holidays, take, use up the annual leaves you have. And if you are not well, talk to your supervisor and if needed, perhaps take some unpaid leave because if, if you're not well, you're just going to go down. It's not going to help by working more. We just need to take that step back. And it's easier said than done, though. And then uh, about smiling depression. Yes, as I mentioned, it is about this trying to you know, not share what's going on, having this facade looking so good. And we see it in, in, in business people, but also a lot of celebrities. And there's so, I mean, the most of the celebrities we, we read about in the press today, they've been uh, the whole way to burnout and to picking up addictions. And they are hiding behind a smile, looking most pretty in the world. Just look at the, uh, like Angelina Jolie, Pinky, Demi Lovato, all of these people have been there. They've been hiding 
behind what I then call a smiling depression. And if they cannot hold it together, how can we, we all the rest uh, be expected to hold it together? Very true. And, and I thought it was interesting. I heard you talk on another podcast about the Zappos guy that you actually went to his workshop, be happy or something about happiness. Is, is that true? Yes, Tony Chi, he was the founder of Zappos, right? And I was meeting him uh, and he was delivering happiness workshop in Las Vegas. I went over to attend and it was fascinating. It was all about having a positive working culture. And I spent three days, you know, being engulfed in all this positive energy. And if there was one person that you would think, you know, he was so engaged with everyone that you would think he must have it all together. And then uh, later on, it came out that he was suffering also from uh, depression. And during the pandemic, he isolated himself. And uh, sadly, he, he, he passed away in a mysterious way in his isolation. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you have money, you have wealth, you have success. This is not relevant. This isolation and depressions and these feelings, anxious feelings, is affecting us all. Yeah, we can give so many examples. And so what about for somebody listening who might be in a rut themselves and making any sort of change is difficult? They might be listening, thinking, okay, yeah, I'm just overwhelmed. What do you suggest for someone? Where do they begin when when they're at this place of overwhelm? What's the that first step? Well, the first step is to yeah, take a breath. That's the first thing we can do and reminding ourselves to breathe. And the good thing then is if you do meditate and if you start, you know, do five or 10 minutes a day meditation, that breathing pattern come becomes part of you and when you start going for a walk you remind yourself oh yeah i need to breathe and then you do that also when you're working because if you're so busy and you're working away then you tense up and you you forget to breathe so that's the first point and as soon as you catch yourself then and you you catch your breath then ask for help and that is the the key point here it's about talking to someone and if you don't have someone to talk to which i didn't have close to i didn't have I wasn't brave enough to open up until it, I was too sick and I had no choice and open up to a doctor. But talk to someone. If you have a friend, a family or a support group or uh, anyone, just by talking, you have basically halved already a problem halved, right? As soon as you just mention it. And don't. that is my, my key message here is ask for help if you need it and share how you feel. Because you'd be surprised of the direction, right? Wasn't it that you talked to your, your wife and she had some ideas that you might not have thought of um, to for where yeah. how you can move forward. Yes, absolutely. And uh, by me just sharing to how I felt to her, then I had the confidence to go and share it with a doctor. And after the doctor, I had a confidence to share it with someone else who's been in my situation before. And that gave me then the courage. And this person recommended me to join an anonymous support group where I went in and in this group I heard with other people who've been there before and when I was sitting there in a circle listening to 10 12 other people other executives like myself and they shared their stories how they felt I I immediately started to feel a relief that I'm not alone because the thing here is we put ourselves in a corner in isolation we think it's something wrong with us and but as soon as we are hearing 10 others having the same, then we have that sympathy that we need as humans and we immediately feel a lot better. And it's like gone in an instant like this. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think this is so powerful that you're telling the story in this way. It's timely and it's so important. And so as I was reading through, I loved how you tie in the getting healthy steps into your book. And we've been focused on the top five health staples on this podcast with nutrition, sleep, exercise, relaxation, everything you've talked about and tools to help us with our mental and physical health. And it didn't take me longer than a minute to just skim through your social media pages and um, just to see like, wow, look at what you're doing. I saw you relaxing with your son at the cinema in Sweden. I saw your sleep data that was amazing, 15 hours of sleep, and that just blew me away. Um, that I saw a 120 kilometer bike ride, which for those not on the metric system is 74 miles. And I thought I was cool doing like this seven mile hike the other day, but uh, you're just blowing it away. So can you take us through what you normally do for training and what tools you're measuring your workouts, your sleep and your rest with? Yeah, so basically, I mean, uh, I, I track and monitor and measure my trainings and there's so many good devices there. It's not expensive, but I, I just use a basic Garmin watch with a heart rate monitor. And it comes with an app where you can track everything uh, from your heart rate to your rest heart rate to how much you sleep and so on. And I've had some discussions with people who, uh, in fitness gym and coaches and so on about the, the various parts of sleep and exercise and diet. I, I scale myself, for example, to check the weight. But when it comes to if I talk them through very briefly, the sleep, I, I basically measure and I look at it over a seven day period. And I, I know I need about seven and a half hours in, in average to feel very rested, to feel good, to feel positive and so on. And if I'm lacking behind that, then it's a, like a rolling seven days. I see it on the app and now the average is uh, 7.15 or uh, something, then I know I'm lacking behind and I will just try to then go to bed a little bit earlier uh, uh, that evening to catch up. Uh, and the instance when you saw 15 hours, then I was sleep uh, was sick. I had a flu. Yeah. And, and I, when you're sick or, or not well, the best thing you can do is just sleep. So I do allow myself to do sleep. And if I'm not sleeping, then I'm not exercising. Then if I don't have the hours of sleep I need, then forget about exercising because mm -hmm. it, 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 you're just going to do damage to yourself. Mm -hmm. hmm. Interesting, because I, I use a, a device that measures these things. And I was at the dentist and my dentist looks at my arm and says, OK, what are you doing? Because he's been looking at some of these things. And he said, you know, it's just this new trend that it's now wearable devices that we all know uh, what's happening, not just, you know, knowing our basic numbers of our health and our blood results, but now we need to know all these other numbers. Just uh, about the workouts, I do a lot of volume, but I, it's low intensity. So it's yeah. a, a lot of my socializing is also done in that way because I know I need socializing and I know I need to get out in the nature. So a hundred kilometer bike ride is with some friends and recycle and not at high intensity, but it's uh, it's really with a low heart rate and we recycle and we stop two times for uh, like a coffee break. So it's, oh, it's really, nice. it, it's once a week I do that and it's like it goes almost half a day but that's really coming out in the nature with friends and having a fantastic time oh, and wow. that, that's my saturday morning and it feels like i'm in a party mood you know on a saturday morning when i know i'm going to do this so so that's once a week the rest of it is 
mainly also swim, which is also low impact for the body and so on. And the running, I go also pretty slow. So it's about getting the volume, getting the time, and yeah, getting out in the nature and, and connecting with the, the nature just to get off, get off the digital devices and the screens. Oh, I love seeing it. I thought it was pretty impressive. And, and now that you're explaining it to me, I don't feel so bad because I thought, you know, I'm good getting out there and I'm how, how on the earth does he do all this on top of all the work that you're doing? So this is it's good to hear this. Nick, is there anything important about your book that I haven't asked you about yet? I think we covered everything there, but the, the, the key point just to emphasize again is, is to just ask and, 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 and don't be shy. And if you have something, perhaps uh, one of the listeners, you have something on your shoulders, you have a problem, we have an issue, don't go to bed and try to sleep with it because that's when we're going to lead to the insomnia. And, and what I mean with this is it make amends before you go to bed. If you snapped at the colleague, you said something you didn't mean, send a, a, an SMS or or apologize as soon as you catch yourself just so you clear that daily inventory so that when you go to bed at night you have cleared that day you have nothing to worry about then you have a better sleep and you will wake up next day feeling rested and refreshed oh that's great advice so what are some ways that people could work with you on your website i've put a link in the show notes work with nick what what do you do with corporations so um, my full-time job now, I'm one of the co-owners of a network in Singapore called Executive Global Network. We do confidential peer groups for senior executives. And so I'm very much involved in that. Uh, so anyone in Southeast Asia or Singapore can contact me about that. Uh, but you have also wonderful peer groups uh, uh, such as Vistage, etc., in the US, which you can look up uh, your local chapter there to join. Uh, but if you want to work with me also, I'm, I'm doing some coaching around the space we have been talking about uh, as a life coach. So yeah, you can ping me. And the best is to look me up on, on LinkedIn. I'm quite active there. Absolutely. That's, I think that might be where I just recently connected with you. And I put all the links to all your social media accounts in the show notes. I just want to thank you so much for this timely and important topic. You've given us so many ideas to help our listeners who might be launching the year with some overwhelm with some specific steps that they can take and put their mental and physical health at the forefront to make 2022 their best year ever. Thank you so much, Nick. I, I hope you have an incredible Thursday and I look forward to hearing what you're up to in Singapore. Thank you very much, Andrea. Thank you. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.